I join with Justin and the other brethren in welcoming you here uh, this afternoon. We're glad that you've chosen to come and uh, worship with us um, this morning. If you weren't here with us, we had an opportunity to go through Jesus' words to his disciple uh, in calling his disciples to follow him, uh, that we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and in fact follow him um, this afternoon. I'd like to say that it'll... Uh, It'll be much lighter, but it probably won't only because Savannah, so you can blame Savannah, but not to call Savannah out. Uh, Savannah told me that she likes it when I kind of step on her toes a little bit. Uh, so if you get your toes stepped on, then I apologize for that. It is not my intention to step on your toes, but I encourage you to take a Bible and follow along. We're going to start a uh, look at Matthew, the 26th chapter, and as you turn in your, your Bible there to Matthew 26. I need to correct something if you took notes this morning. Uh, one of my sides said Matthew 24. That should have been Matthew 20. Uh, so if you did take notes, if you'll change Matthew 24 starting in verse 24 to Matthew 20 starting in verse 24, then that'll have your notes correct because my slide was incorrect and I didn't figure that out until after the service was over. Uh, you know, as you turn there to Matthew, the 26th chapter, um, I may be a little different uh, than everybody else, and I hope uh, that I'm different, but I imagine there's some of you uh, that are, in fact, like me, because I know that some of my children are like me. Uh, they each have very uh, different personalities, uh, but I have a personality trait uh, that some people don't have, and uh, my dad said I got it from my grandmother. Uh, and it's one of those things that I can think something to death, and because I can think something and analyze something uh, far too much, then I am one of those that, that my grandmother called a worry wart. Um, I was one of those that was blessed with the gift of anxiety, that I worry about things a lot, and I can overthink things, and my wife will tell you that I can uh, go to sleep at 11 o'clock at night and wake up at 1.30 in the morning, and I'm going because my brain's going. Um, and I've heard people say this phrase that stress is sin. Uh, and I'm not arguing with those people, but I'm going to point out uh, that, that we are blessed with a Savior who understands our infirmities. And we're going to look at a time in Christ's life when he was under stress and he felt so much stress uh, that when, when I think about the stress the Lord was under, I'm grateful that I haven't been through that kind of stress. But you know, there are situations in my life where I can look back at the things that I would say I was worried about or stressed about, and I can look at some of them and go, I can't believe I was even worried about that. And then I can remember times that I'm surprised I made it through it. Not to recall all of those instances, but I want to make sure you understand what level of stress I'm talking about. When Emma was just a baby, just a few weeks old, she began running a temperature of 106. And we got her to the emergency room, and I'll never forget when the emergency room doctor said, we're going to have to do a lumbar puncture. Now, if you're like me, I'm not used to the term lumbar puncture. And so I was just kind of dumbfounded at it. And my wife, crying, looked at me and said, A spinal tap? 
I don't want anything in my spine except my spine, and I certainly don't want you tapping it. But my daughter was a few weeks old. I still remember the night when Corinna had been in the hospital for a number of days and a number of you had come to visit her. And I remember when the doctor said, even after being here for a few days, you're not going home and if things don't change tonight, you're going into surgery. You know what I realize in those moments? There are just certain things that are really bring us to our knees. You know, when I say that we're blessed to have a Savior who understands and has felt our infirmities, there was a time when the Son of God was so anxious, He fell to His face. Even the Savior was brought to His knees. And because He is our example, we want to look at that uh, this afternoon. If you turn there to Matthew, the 26th chapter. In Matthew, the 26th chapter, we're going to begin reading in verse 36. It says, Then cometh Jesus with him unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit you here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further. And fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Uh, so we see that in the last hours, this is the moment after Jesus has gathered his apostles together in the upper room. He has told them over and over, this is it. I'm going. The Son of Man will be betrayed, and I'm leaving you here, but I'm going to send a comforter. And I am certainly going to uh, make sure that you are covered and that you understand and that you've, you've reached that point where you recognize that the Holy Spirit will be with you. But you imagine that they've been put into a position where now they're about to lose the one they're following. And when you look at this after that time, and it says that Jesus was heavy and he was sorrowful. I want to make sure you get the picture here. If you look at Luke's account, it's found in Luke the 22nd chapter. It's not quite as long. But Luke, having been a physician, Luke was focused on different things. And I want you to notice the things, the details that Luke points out here in Luke 22, beginning in verse 39. It says, and he came out. 
and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. I want you to notice what Jesus did here. Jesus was in such great stress from this situation that it says that his sweat was actually mixed and fell as it was large drops of blood. You notice he played the, prayed the same th- thing three times. The same words over and again. And you notice that it says that when he came back to pray the second time, he prayed more earnestly. You know, when you read Matthew's account there, uh, the original account we read, we noticed that Peter, James, and John and the other apostles had fallen asleep. When Matthew talks about it, he says their eyes were heavy. Kind of like a lot of us this afternoon. Uh, Carbs will do that to you. Uh, You know what else will do that to you? Do you notice what Luke said? Luke said that they were asleep because of sorrow. You ever been there? Notice what Jesus did when he got to that moment when life brought him to his knees. When life was so tough that he was sweating blood. When life was so tough that the Son of Man, who every other time in Scripture prayed his prayer one time until now. Life brought Jesus to his knees. He prayed three separate times the same words. What lesson can we learn from Jesus? That when life brings you to your knees, find that place. Find that that place where you can go to the Father and pray in your weakest moment. And when you go, take a friend. I want you to notice Matthew, the sixth chapter. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, in verse six, this is during the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, Pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. You know, for some people, that's the place to go. The place to go is where they're safe in their home. Where they have a room that they can go and they can sit down, they can fall on their knees, and they can pray. I want you to notice something else, though, in Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9, we see the conversion of Saul 
who we know as Paul, and it's not salt. I don't. I just noticed that <laughs> the apostle salt, the salt of Tarsus. Acts the ninth chapter, verse eleven says, "And the Lord said unto him." Arise and go into the street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. That's three days worth of praying that Paul has done. Not yet being called Paul, but at this point he was Saul. When Saul was brought to his knees, it was as though scales were put over his eyes and for three days he prayed. Did you notice where he did it? He was at somebody else's house. Now, he was taken there. But evidently it was a safe place for him. Because for three days he didn't stop praying. And the Lord heard his prayers. I want you to notice this in Acts chapter 7 and verse 58. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 58, uh, we see a disciple of Christ, that being Stephen. And Stephen uh, has been... Uh, preaching the gospel and has been proclaiming uh, the Savior that gave his life. And it says there that the Jews didn't approve of it. In fact, uh, just prior to this, it says they began gnashing their teeth at him. Notice verse 58 there in Acts chapter 7. It says, And cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I want you to notice where that prayer took place. He wasn't at home. He wasn't in, in any specific building. In fact, it says that at this moment, when Stephen was brought to his knees, he wasn't brought to his knees by choice. This wasn't some time that Stephen said, you know, tomorrow I'm going to go outside the city and I'm going to bring myself to my knees. But instead, he was brought to his knees by the choice of something else. And it says they took him outside the city. I don't know if they did it in the middle of the street. I don't know if they did it in the middle of a pasture. But I know it was outside the city in some open ground. And guess what Stephen was able to do? Stephen in that place was able to open his heart to the Father to the extent even when life had brought him to his knees. He said, Lord, receive my spirit. But what's even more beautiful than that was he was so freeing to the Father that he said, don't hold this sin to their charge. You know, Stephen, I would imagine would have chosen somewhere else. But I use these examples to say, wherever it is that you can open your heart to God, find that place. You know, I was talking to a DPS trooper who has been selected as a deacon at another church here in town, and uh, he came into my office because he actually is stationed out of another station. But uh, we started talking uh, about church and, and about the Lord and all of those things. And he said, you know, I'm actually grateful for driving from Pampa to another location uh, because you know where I get my best prayers done. And that's in the windshield. You ever thought of that? Those of us who drive a lot, like, like Ian probably drives more than most of us do, but... Uh, I have to drive five counties, and I'll tell you this. Uh, one of the great things is when I get to go 
alone sometimes because when I get to go alone sometimes I don't have talking or any distractions and me and the Lord get to meet right there in the windshield you know there's sometimes uh, that you can be at a bed or at somebody's bedside there is sometimes you can walk out into a field we have a young lady staying with us most of you know that uh, she and I talked about anxiety we both kind of have uh, that that characteristic and we talked about that and she said you know what my dad told me my dad told me when you get to that time where you think you're about to break run out into a pasture as far as you can go and just yell until you get control of it you know sometimes that's what you got to do uh, you, you have a calf get sick you have a calf go down you have a coyote take a calf I'm gonna tell you what you can ask my daughter sometimes daddy runs from the pickup and yells as hard as he can yell. Wherever that place is for you. For Jesus, it was at the Garden of Gethsemane. And I want you to notice, for Jesus, it was, He went up into the Mount of, all, uh, the Mount of Olives, He went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and it says He went a stone's throw, right there where His friends were. But He found that place where He could sweat, and he could pray. You know, when Jesus found that place, that's exactly what he did. He prayed. You know, in Matthew, the seventh chapter, in that same Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. I want you to notice Philippians 4, how Paul said this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. It's oftentimes that we use this verse to say that, that, uh, that worrying, that, that anxiety, that stress is sin, uh, because Paul said, be careful for nothing. Worry about nothing and, and I'm certain that that when you think about that instance that the distinction here is that Paul was saying hey don't forget where to go when you're in that moment don't sit and roll around in the worry and decide that on your knees is where you're supposed to live the rest of your life but instead, recognize that you're on your knees and you got to go somewhere. And Paul said, when you're on your knees in that moment, where do you go? You go to God in prayer. And if that's not enough, supplication. Uh, if you want to know what supplication is, it's what Jesus did when he went to the Father and he fell on his face and he said, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will be done. And he got up and he went and he saw his friends sleeping there and he said, wait, Peter, why, why couldn't you just wait for me just one hour? And you know what he did after that? He walked away and he went back into the garden and he fell to his knees and you know what he said? If there's any other way. Let this cup pass from me, but not my will. Thine be done. And he came back to his friends and he found them sleeping again. And the Bible says he went right back into the garden and he fell on his face. And you know what he did? He said, if there be any other way, 
let this cup pass from me. You know what that's called? That's called supplication. That's what it meant when he was praying more earnestly. Colossians, the fourth chapter. Colossians, the fourth chapter, I use this verse here in verse 2 to show you that Paul evidently uh, thought it was important to share this with more than one church. That he was inspired to make sure that they understood to continue in prayer and watching the same uh, with thanksgiving. That term continue means to keep going. If your place is in that windshield, get in that windshield and keep it going. If your place is in that closet, when you get to that moment, get in your closet and stay there till you're done. And what Paul was saying, you know when you're done? You're not. Keep going. And finally, I want you to notice that Jesus took a friend. You know, the book of Proverbs, the 18th chapter, and verse 24, it's a proverb I use often because I love this proverb. It says, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there's a friend that sticks closer uh, than a brother. Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus knew from the beginning what was going to happen this night. Jesus knew what he was brought to the earth to do. And that was to fulfill the will of the Father. Jesus knew. If anybody could have done this on his own to have carried this load, it was the Son of God. But for some reason, even the Son of God took his disciples and then when he got to that moment when he was going to fall on his face, the Bible says he took Peter, James, and John and took them a little farther with him. Now, just as an aside, how did Peter, James, and John do? <laughs> Man. You know what that teaches us about friends? That friends are human. You know, if you go back to Job, we often say about Job's friend, they did their greatest work in that seven days after they first got there. Because they sat there with him and they didn't say a word. Uh, you, you know what happened really bad for Job? His friends opened his mouth. But you know, for seven days they just sat there with him. Jesus was about to be betrayed and to teach them about love and service. He took them all up into a room and it tells us that he loved them all and Judas was there and he washed his feet. I want you to notice, if you go back and you, we talk about taking a friend with you, uh, read Paul's description of Timothy and Epaphroditus in Philippians chapter 2. Because in Philippians chapter 2, you read about how important Timothy was to Paul, but more importantly, how important Timothy was to the church at Philippi. Because Paul said, I'm going to send Timothy to you 
because I don't want to have to worry about you anymore and I want to know exactly how you're doing and I want Timothy to be there with you. And he said, you know what was great was you as a church sent your fellow servant Epaphroditus. In fact, he came to me and he nearly lost his life because of it. He was sick almost to death because he was worried about you but he was doing service to me, and guess what? Now I'm going to send him back to you. You know what the Bible tells us about friends, about one another? It says we're going to mess up. It says that sometimes we might be brought to our knees like Peter, James, and John were. The same time you're brought to your knees. But you know what Jesus said? What Jesus' example was to us? Bring a friend along anyway. He said they may not say the right things. They may not do the right things. But for some reason, Jesus needed those disciples there with him when he was brought to his knees. If you're not a child of God this afternoon, you have an opportunity to be obedient to the will of the Father. The will of the Father for you to become His child, being obedient to Him in baptism. If you are a child of God and there's something we can pray with you or for you, we'd encourage you to come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.